nice sort of uh, bit of bit of meat up the middle. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're mostly going to be focusing on our uh, look ahead to the season for the AFC East and the AFC North. Uh, and we're also going to have a look at some of the bits of news from around the league in the last week or so. So hey guys, uh, Connor here, I've got Harry. Hey. And we've also got Ronan. Hello. So uh, how are you getting on lads, any crack? Ah, you know yourself, tipping along, gearing up for Pride Week. That's going to be uh, fun. You know, it doesn't really matter if you're LGBT or not. It's always it's always great crack, and it's, uh, it's a big big party down in Dublin for that. So, oh, yeah, looking forward to that. And you've got a special plan for Pride, don't you? Connor? I do indeed. I do indeed. I'm going down to the Pride themed wrestling event. We've been going down in the last couple of months to the over the top wrestling in the Tivoli Theatre. It's been gas crack. Literally, if you just imagine going down, load of Irish lads and ladies doing ham acting and a load of pretty good wrestling uh, while you get to drink three cans for a tenner and 400, 500 people just bay for blood and make up chants as they go along. It's great crack. Uh, what about yourself, Fitz? Any fun? Uh, no, it's quite enough. Just uh, watching a lot of the, you know, it's a surprisingly sport-rich June so far. Yeah. Uh, between the Euros, Championship, uh, there's a few rugby games on and then uh, the amazing end of Cleveland's sad, like, factory of sadness. Or at least one of them shut down. Yeah, well, it's, it's not the end of it. I mean, this is the thing. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, Cleveland want to think. Who is Stipe Miocic? It's from Cleveland. UFC champion this year. So it's, you know, okay. falling to place for the Browns to win the Super Bowl, I think. Excellent. I presume we'll see that reflected in your uh, predictions. Oh, definitely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be uh, very entertaining to see. So I suppose, lads, we'll, we'll, we'll move into the news. We don't want to hold people up too long. So I suppose we'll kick off. Uh, first... Bit of news, I suppose. Uh, given the golf is on the weekend, keep to lead gets a hole in one. He uh, <laughs> he manages to uh, either get shot in the leg or go full plexico and uh, shoot himself in the leg. Yeah, so he was out in the nightclub having some drinks, having some fun, and uh, there was a kerfuffle of sorts. And then he got shot in the leg. And I believe there's something I read about it, like not even being in the club. Like there was an altercation in the club, but this happened. In, like, the park outside the club. I suppose I'll kick off with you on this, Harry. Uh, what's, what do you make of this move by Plasco? Is a smart move? Uh, <laughs> by Plaxico, I love it. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> well, look, it looks like he didn't do any permanent damage, um, which is, is good for him and good that there is not serious repercussions in general. I mean, obviously, we unfortunately quite recently had a bit of conversation about uh, guns and gun control and the follow-up to, obviously, uh, the Will, Will Smith thing, and then, of course, uh, gun control, hot topic in America, and obviously, the, the, the horrendous events in Orlando. But not to get all moralising about this, other than, like, where the fuck are you bring a gun to a nightclub? Like, come on. Like, like, that is... You're looking for trouble at that point. Yeah, you only bring them to the knife fights. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I don't... I... I, I it's it's daft, but um, look, it happens. It's the way things go. It's unfortunate that uh, he got shot. It's fortunate that he didn't get shot too badly. If that's any consolation, yeah. looks like he'll be back and recover mm. in time. Um, it's Strange. probably for the best that if he was the one who shot himself, because that's even also a better outcome than yeah. No, no this, that, that is the thing. So obviously, injury-wise, it's not too much of a concern. As I said, it was straight through and through. Didn't need any surgery or anything. That's fine. There's a very strong chance he's facing relatively serious charges here because not only is it illegal to be uh, 
wandering around with concealed firearms. He's also admitted openly in his press comments afterwards that he was drunk at the time and there is, I believe, mandatory minimum sentencing of nine months for uh, operating a handgun while intoxicated in that state. Akeem Talib is not a smart man. Look, he's look, he's a professional football player. Chances are he'll be fine. We'll see. What about yourself, Fitz? What do you think? Yeah, like I imagine from a legal perspective, he probably won't go to jail. He has enough money that he can probably get his way out of that. Uh, the bigger issue is obviously, as we learned with Tom, with the whole Tom Brady thing from the last podcast, the NFL has very large powers in terms of bringing the league into disrepute. So he, even if he gets away with, away, away with it legally speaking, he's probably going to face at least a two or three game ban, I would imagine, yeah. uh, from the commissioner. No, no, fair enough. As if shooting yourself wasn't punishment enough, like. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if anyone will do the celebration like they did for Plaxico. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that doesn't really translate to audio, Connor. That was uh, pu- pulling out a fake gun, shooting yourself in the leg, and falling over in the end zone. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone's crying over this anyway. Like a keep to leave, you know. Well, he might be. Probably like, he, he's, like he's come up, like he's worked really hard. And he's a hard worker, but obviously he's been involved in a lot of you know less than ethical behavior on the pit field. So he's not exactly a fan favorite. No, of course. Um, so you know what goes around comes around to a certain extent, which kind of being that kind of persona on the pitch yeah. maybe kind of starts having an effect off the field as well that's what they well, always say that's how the old metaphor goes yeah. be a dickhead shoot yourself in the leg yeah I think, I think to be fair to be, to be fair I think you're being a bit mad because like Khalid has it's I think it's more his behaviour on the field is an extension of the persona that led to the shooting like he's always you know he's bravado yeah it's a bravado it's, it's a sort of a t- not adapting from the you know having a tough upbringing and then sort of mm. carrying on that lifestyle but you know it's fine if you're not carrying guns to nightclubs go for it but yeah. it's just the sort of environment he's come from and the way he is and like, I think that manifests itself in both the nightclub and on the field and surely with the amount of money he has he just pays someone to carry his gun for him right I suppose uh, so best of luck to Tlaib you know hopefully he doesn't do it again uh, he might have hopefully learned something from this don't wave around guns that you don't know how to use properly while you're drunk <laughs> uh, proper, pr- probably a good shout practice uh, proper gun safety that's it there's a bit of a story brewing in Philadelphia it's still a little bit misty at the moment so we're not gonna like, we're gonna throw a lot of allegedly's in here just in advance to make sure we're well covered uh, there's a brewing sexual assault allegation slash scandal involving uh, Aglahor, the receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's supposedly surrounding a stripper, uh, untoward behaviour from him. Now, obviously, we haven't given any details on this yet. Um, an idea of other members of the team looking to pay off uh, the stripper so that she doesn't bring charges and then other members of the team coming out and saying that it's all a stitch up job and she's just going there after money now see the moment details are sketchy uh, on this do you have any thoughts on this Harry? yeah well obviously it's 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 not good uh, in general whatever the outcome of this is it's it's just bad that this thing is, is happening in the first place uh again the ideas are like so allegedly uh Nas Nagalor at a strip club allegedly brought into the champagne room and allegedly assaulted the woman who brought her into the champagne room and then allegedly Fletcher Cox tried to uh, pay her either to, um, depending on whose side you believe, either to not press charges in the sense of she had been assaulted and he wanted hush money or essentially was like, right, you're trying to blackmail us with a false allegation, I'm just going to give you money to go away. Yeah. So we don't know what happened. Uh, Obviously it's not good. Another one of these scandals is breaking in the league. Um, it's currently being investigated by police and no charges have been presented or dropped either way. Uh, once that happens, I think we'll probably end up finding out a lot more. It's just really uh, up 
I'm quite upset. I was going to say unfortunate, but actually it's just quite upsetting that once again we have the potential of an NFL player being caught up in another sexual assault scandal. And look, I don't know how this, what is a good ending to this, but hopefully there is some kind of like outcome to this that is not basically another Ben Roethlisberger yeah, situation. No, of course. You know, there's just not enough information to go on really at this point. But uh, like both these stories kind of speak to what the, like whatever news will exist in the NFL world will probably exist of these for the next six weeks or until training camp. There's just potential for terrible things to go wrong. This is the first two that we've seen this offseason, but we can probably expect a few other things yeah. uh, similar to how JPP blew his own hand off. So, yeah, like this is unfortunate. There's not enough information, so but hopefully we have some resolution here. Yeah, like I'm sure I'm sure we'll have a better idea of what's going on by the next podcast or so. More information will come out by then. But uh, yeah, like you say, we're entering now. All the all the OTAs and stuff have uh, finished up. We're at the six week dead zone now. So pretty much most of the news stories are going to be this. Uh, ex-players who like lost twenty pounds and won another shot at the NFL and uh, what, Trent Richardson. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's currently on a roster. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a joke. <laughs> I think Jake Long is the current one doing the rounds. Yeah, so it was two kind of big moves in contracts since the last podcast. Fletcher Cox uh, of the last uh, of the last news story fame. <laughs> Uh, clearly tried to pay her off a lot of money because he's just gotten a check for 103 million dollars uh, or a contract for 103 million it's a six year contract huge uh, money I believe he's got the most guaranteed money to a non-quarterback in the NFL from this deal for now for now do we think good signing he was a big player for them um, it's it's a it's a big payday but it's also probably going to not be that big by comparison to two or three of the uh the paydays that are going to be affected by this. What's your thoughts on this, Fitz? Yeah, like I think it's it's a lot of money, and the Eagles have been spending a lot of money. But Fletcher Cox, he's an inside defensive player who can get to the quarterback and who is disruptive in running plays. I think those type of players can kind of write their own check effectively. Yeah, like I'm, like is it overpaid? Maybe, but with the salary cap increasing at its current rate, this could look like a bargain in three or four years. So you know, I think it's fine business. I wouldn't say it's amazing business, but. I don't think they'll be disappointed by this. Hmm, fair enough. Fletcher Cox, silly name. Your thoughts? It is a silly name. It's a very silly name. Um, but he's a lot bigger than me, so don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true of all the players, though. It's like, ah, oh, you shit the exception I'm, I'm, face. I'm, I'm sure oh, there's a kicker that's smaller than you. Like, Kyle oh, Santos is a mere 5'6", isn't he? Yeah, but he's a lot... He's a lot fitter than I am. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't fancy myself in a scrap against any professional football player. Just call the name and try and hurt Ronan. Like. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, like I think Ronan's right. It makes sense. He's a like a leader on the defense. To use a cliche, he genuinely is. He's clearly one of the best defense players on that team. He's probably one of the best players on that team. You pay your best players. I suppose counterpoint to that is, yeah, it's a lot of money. It is probably a slight overpay. But look, this is the market for D linemen. We saw it with JJ Watt. We saw it with Damakon Sue. Like. If you are the heart of your, or well, in Sue's case, if you are supposed to be the heart of your team's uh, D-line, you are going to get paid mm. through the nose. So while it does look like a lot of money when you see it written down, you're like, whoa, that seems like a lot of money for Fletcher Cox. You look at where the market for D-linemen, particularly dominant D-linemen who can play in multiple positions is, and it's like, yeah, that's that's about where the market puts it, really. Yeah, and obviously this is going to have a bit of a knock-on for uh, contract negotiations in Denver. Yeah, probably is. But, uh, like, I mean, there's been a lot of showboating of that on... 
social media and press releases and being like, oh, here are the details of our deal. Oh, you know, I love the team, but I don't love the offer and all this stuff. Did you did you, did you well, like the, uh, the 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 completely hollow uh, like timeline they gave and they said there's a deal on the table. You have until midnight tonight to <laughs> sign it, and that was like last Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and then he didn't sign it. They're like, we'll still let you have that deal if you'll just sign it, please. <laughs> what, 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 what's like, I, I, a lot of this is showboating. What we're hearing from pretty much everyone is that this will be done by mid-July one way or the other and he will be be. (laughs) we'll hear more about Bob Miller I think the more uh, apt comparison is probably with Mo Wilkerson who's obviously in a contract dispute with the Jets Uh, obviously they play similar positions uh, and there's already a lot of animosity in that situation like we'll talk about that later when we're talking about the Jets but I think that's the contract that this will probably have the biggest knock on I think OLB is a slightly different position and which he has probably even more money behind it at this point like it's a good contract for Fletcher Cox and it will definitely have a like ripples throughout the league coming up to that mid-July deadline for the franchise tag there's a lot of grandstanding right now we'll see what actually comes through yeah no of course of course the other contract that I suppose we'll have a quick chat about uh Keenan Allen was picked up for 49 million for four years uh pretty good pickup I think in my head Keenan Allen's a very good receiver uh, on a team that's kind of hit and miss. This is quite a cheap deal for a number one. Yeah, like I think like Keenan Allen is kind of in that good YR1, not elite YR1, not your Julio Jones, your AJ Greens, uh, but he will be setting the market here for those type of receivers who are coming on the on, on, onto the market. Um, obviously, we saw that during free agency, a lot of fairly mediocre players like Marvin Jones got paid a lot. Uh, one player in particular who obviously I've been interested in is someone like Doug Baldwin. Those are the type of players who will be using this as like their baseline now for negotiations going forward. And we'll see a lot of these kind of like the just the tier below superstar wide receivers starting to use this as their baseline uh, on the assumption that the salary cap will keep increasing, which looks likely. No, of course. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's probably a fair assessment. I think Keenan Allen is probably, if he can recapture his pre-injury form, it's probably a little better than you're giving him credit for. It, uh, it, I think it makes he, sense. He's not, the, he's, he's not that wide receiver who just like beats everyone and does spectacular catches, I suppose. He's not a he's not a name-brand type wide receiver as much as he's good at football, as it were. But he's, he's on the cusp of it. I mean, if you look at how he was playing before he got injured last season, he was he was on record-breaking pace. Yeah, no, but I think it does, It does. Uh, all these things, they say, oh yeah, it's going to set the market. They always set the market. That's what they always do. That's the whole thing. People benchmark, people want to get paid more. That's the nature of the game. It makes sense to San Diego. Look, he's far and away the best receiver on the team. We saw what happened when he went down injured. They had nobody throw the football to. He's very, very important. So yeah, it makes sense. It's a, it's a good deal, I think, for both parties. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, the only other contract stuff that uh, it's not actually done yet, but there's lots of rumblings about it. Obviously, we're coming to the point now where they're looking to re-up Andrew Luck. The general assumption is that he's going to be the highest paid player of all time at that point. Uh, what I find interesting about this is the figure and the terms that are being thrown around at the moment. Uh, what's being reported at the moment as a negotiation point is $250 million and for it to be a 10-year deal. Yeah, but it is silly season stuff. Like when we, I remember last season when it was Russell Wilson, it was like talk of fully guaranteed contracts and stuff like that. I think when we get when we get down to the brass tacks, there'll be a large signing bonus. It will be the highest contract simply due to the salary cap increases, but it will probably be a lot more standard than many of the contracts which will be put forward uh, over the next few weeks. Oh yeah. Uh, you know. To fill up space. Yeah. Like, like realistically, I could well see it being something where they put together a 10-year, $250 million contract, but what it effectively plays out as a contract being is, 
a four or five year contract that mm. then just gets redone after that point. In other news, uh, Ben Grubbs retired. I don't think this is much new. He was an excellent guard back in the day. He played with the Chiefs last year. He's got a neck injury. He didn't play particularly well. Uh, not all that surprised by this. Uh, obviously, he was a good player in his time. Anything on this guy's or? Yeah, no, he has his ring. I think he'd be pretty happy with his career, and uh, you know, it, like this happens to offensive linemen, they eventually break down, and it's similar to kind of. And then we, some of them try to come back, like Jake Long, but I think Ben is happy enough to to take the money and take the career and be happy with it. Yeah, and no, of course. And then the only other one then is obviously Eugene Monroe's been cut. Uh, a lot of talk about it being because of his medical marijuana advocacy. Uh, not just that he's like, yeah, get high. He's actually invested quite a lot of money into this uh, pol- politically and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like, he's a good enough player. He's had he's had tryouts with a couple of sides. I'm sure he's going to catch on somewhere. And uh, like, do you think in this day and age, this is really a big issue? Yeah, well, uh, uh, you never know with teams. Like, I mean, obviously, he's been injured for the last two seasons pretty consistently. Yeah. So that's probably a factor as well. Is his medical marijuana advocacy a factor? Like, probably. Teams are a bit silly sometimes about that kind of stuff. Mm. It does make sense, like, what he's saying, in fairness. Like, whatever you think about marijuana or legalisation thereof, yo, the alternative is OxyContin, which is really, 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 really bad for you. And that's what people are being prescribed at the moment. Like, on that basis, it's like, yeah, I probably should give medical marijuana a look at it. It's also a pointless crusade, because while marijuana is illegal at the federal level, the NFL are never going to allow it to be a thing. You know, fair play to him. I'm sure he probably will catch on somewhere because, like, he has a lot of talent. But for him, I think, regardless of the medical marijuana stuff, staying healthy is the is the key thing in terms of his career. No, of course, of course. And Fitz, any final thoughts on that? They, they drafted a new, a new tackle there, so I think they're just kind of trying to cut loose from what is basically a bust for the Ravens due to injury. He'll catch on somewhere because he's enough talent that he's shown enough in the past that he's a, a starting left tackle and those are going to get paid. And, you know, on a one-year prove-it deal, you could get good left tackle play for like five six million which is pretty much a bargain in today's nfl yeah no of course um so i suppose yeah like there's obviously a few other small bits and pieces uh but we'll cover them off over the next coming episodes if they're actually worth talking about because a lot of them just plain aren't uh so so we're going to move on to our previews of the afc east and the afc north so I suppose we'll kick off with the AFC East, a division that every single year is meant to be more competitive, yet is not. We'll kick off, I suppose, with the Buffalo Bills. It was a fairly decent showing from them last year. They got into contention uh, for the playoffs. We've got the Ryan brothers reunited and it feels so good for this year. They've added a couple new players, Shaq Lawson, Reggie Ragland, obviously Rob Ryan, as we mentioned, coming in now to help coach up that defence. Uh Maybe it'll hit the vaulted heights of that Saints defense. <laughs> uh, they've lost a couple of players as well: Mario Williams, Percy Harvin, uh, Brad, and a few others. Um, my take on this team is they just don't really excite me at all. I really liked the play out of Tyro Taylor last year. He looked good at parts, but there is also still questions about some of his playmaking ability. Whether or not he'd be able to take the team for sixteen games and whether or not the talent around there is, is is good enough for it. They've had injuries to key pieces. They've got a potentially exciting combo of the Ryan brothers. If uh, not necessarily from a talent perspective, from at least a, a bit of crack perspective. The main question when you're sitting in the AFC East, I suppose, is a question of do you think they've put together enough changes that they can now challenge for winning this division or can challenge for getting into the playoffs? Uh because they were close enough last year, but I'm not sure. Like, on balance, I'm I'm not convinced so far. I'll start with you on this, Harry, because this is 
your home division. What's your take on the Bills so far this off-season? What do you think they're looking like going into next year? I actually quite like what the Bills are doing. I think Rob Ryan notwithstanding, I think how much control Rob Ryan gets is going to be important because if he gets a lot of control, I think it's going to go very badly. But if he's basically just there and Rex is still calling the plays, it's going to be the same as before. Like, not as good as it could be and weirder and overthought, but probably not as terrible. Also, like, if you look at the real problem with the Saints, there are problems everywhere, but, like, this Bills Bill team has a, a better pass rush. They have a much, much better secondary than the Saints do. And Darby and Gilmore are two fantastic yeah. quarterbacks who are unlikely to be running around 20 yards from the catch wondering where the ball is. <laughs> um, like, there's, there's a lot of very exciting things on this team. I do think they're going to be a fun team. I do think they're going to be an exciting team. I love the way Tyra Taylor plays. I think he's late bloomer, but there's a lot of potential there for him to be a very, very good quarterback. How Sammy Watkins recovers is going to be massively important yeah. to this team. He is, really, he is... Head and shoulders, the best receiving threat on that, that team by a significant, significant margin. And if Watkins' injury is serious and he misses a series of games, or if you know something else flares up, that's a problem for Buffalo. But if Watkins stays healthy, can they push for the playoffs of the division? Yeah. Are they going to make like? Are they going to beat the Patriots? Not Patriots off? No, I, I don't think so. I don't. Think that's a spoiler. Giving that as my opinion yeah. at this point. But I do think that they can move forward from last year if Watkins stays healthy. Because um, while they have had some losses. Uh, on, on the defense in particular, I think they've kept a lot of the key pieces in play. Like, Mario Williams, yes, very, very talented player, but he was not fitting in last year anyway, so that's not a huge loss. Yeah. And you look at bringing guys like like Ragland in particular as a nice sort of uh, bit of bit of meat up the middle that they didn't necessarily have before. So, yeah, okay, fair. As soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, I realized. <laughs> yeah, like, I think I, I agree with Harry to a certain extent. I think if everything goes right, this is a team that can make the playoffs. There's certainly enough talent on the team that they could make the playoffs. Uh, like the defense is still pretty good. Like the defensive line is still pretty good. Like I, I do like T Rod. I do like that backfield with Shady and Carlos Williams. Even if Carlos Williams apparently is carrying some pregnancy weight. Yeah, <laughs> that was still my favorite story from this week. So effectively, his, his wife uh, recently had a child, or is still pregnant. Yeah. I'm not sure. So busy late night snacking. He's basically like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna make her feel bad by not snacking with her. So apparently he. <laughs> He threw on a few, um, three pounds. I think like no, I heard, I heard twelve. Who's his wife, Eddie Lacy? <laughs> like he, they lost Mario Williams, uh, but he didn't really fit the scheme. We'll see whether that scheme is works. Uh, losing a player of his talent, they lose Percy Harvin, who, like, who definitely lost a lot towards the end of the season, but did provide something outside of Sammy Watkins for that wide receiver core. I think the biggest problem is is that. The probability that everything will come together with this, uh, with this coaching staff and with this like GM, just doesn't seem very high. They just don't have a you know track record of being able to bring things into line and actually make them go well if things aren't going perfectly for them already. Like they've already declared that they won the off season despite the fact that one of their top picks is injured in Shaq Lawson, despite the fact Watkins already has an injury, despite the fact. The Carlos Williams showed up like with bad weight, uh, like it just it like it just screams to me a team that has enough talent to win games, but not like doesn't have so much talent that can overcome bad management and get into the playoffs. It's very much like the type of team which might go from somewhere like six to nine wins, but won't make the playoffs and won't make it. Won't like won't make something there. And I think that like the fans are already getting sick of the act, uh, and I think with that type of season, we'll probably see the end of them and another type of rebuild. I think there'll be exciting pieces in which to rebuild, but this won't be 
a rebuild with the Ryans in charge. No, fair enough. So I suppose that'll bring us on to our uh, quick run round of what our predictions for these guys are for the season. So Harry, you've got them going. Uh, I have the Bills at nine and seven. Okay, and do they do they make the playoffs in that or no? No, no, fair enough. What about yourself, Fitz? Where do you have them? I've been going seven and nine. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I have been going seven and nine. I was contemplating making them go six and ten, but uh, I think seven and nine is probably about right. They'll get a couple of wins in there, especially like in division against the Dolphins, uh, as we were about to come on to now. So uh, the Dolphins, uh, I suppose, Ins Adam Gase is now coming on as the HC. Uh, Mario Williams has joined them. Uh, they had the, the the big trade, Maxwell Alonso. Uh, they've lost a couple of players. They've got Vernon is gone. Miller is now left, uh, and is also being heavily touted now for a big breakout season, which uh, I think I heard every single year while he was at the <laughs> Dolphins as well. And uh, Derek Shelby. So obviously, a couple of questions with the guys. Like, is Gates ready to step up to this kind of position? Have they, again, I suppose this is, a, this is a recurring theme for a lot of the teams in this division, but have they done enough? Have they added enough players to you know, have a competition-level defence to be able to, to put stuff together? It's a big year for, for Tannehill. He needs to prove himself. Something uh, else we've heard every season since he came into the league. Oh, exactly. Where, well, actually, no, normally what you hear is a much more positive kind of, oh, he looks amazing. He's definitely, you know, Dan Marino 2.0 and stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas this time around, I think it's much more of the... You need to get this together because, like, they've they've changed they've changed the coaching staff. Like, normally that will follow that you will also swap a quarterback there if he's not working out. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, yeah. So I'll go to you first on this, Fitz. What's your take on the Dolphins? I think Adam Gase is an interesting choice. Uh, I think going the way, I think he might end up being over his head, honestly, as a head coach. I think it could be like a Josh McDaniel situation. I don't think he's quite as abrasive as Josh McDaniels, but I think it's just a situation where he might be a little bit too young to get the respect of the players. And there's one thing that's a problem with this team is that there's a lot of, there's been so much spinning and like so much turnover in this locker room that there's no real identity uh, to latch onto. But there's a lot of individuals who have uh, their own like very self-interested identity. They bring in Mario Williams, who basically pissed all over the Bills' defense last year because he didn't play the way that he liked playing the game. Like, he didn't have enough time, like, basically, with his hand in the dirt uh, getting the quarterbacks. Then they have, obviously, they have pre-existing players who they double down to, like Sue. And they bring in players like Maxwell and Alonso who have something to prove. This is a team which thinks that it still has an open window, but really doesn't. And it lost a lot of young talent this season that could have been the bedrock for a franchise revival going forward. And instead of replacing them with like stopgap people who might work out, my personal opinion is I don't think it's a workout. It hasn't doesn't usually work out in the past. And then you see them like draft someone like Laramie Tunsil, throw that into the mix. I think you have the perfect stew for what will be a very underwhelming season and a season which will do a lot of damage to Adam Gase. Like they're relying so much on the idea that he's a quarterback whisperer. Like we heard that with Tressman and the Bears and Cutler a few years ago. I don't think it works out that way most of the time. So I don't really have much confidence in this. Group. No, fair enough. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with pretty much all of that. It's great being in the AFC East. It's great following the team <laughs> in the AFC East to the Patriots. Um, yeah, like I mean, I like Gase. I think he did great things uh, with, with Cutler. But again, yeah, this is a... It's bizarre, isn't it? You come out of Chicago and you're like, well, it couldn't be much. Well, here we are. Um, head coach of the Browns. Yeah, well, <laughs> with, with obvious exceptions, right? But you're looking at a situation here where... This is a team that's under pressure to perform. It's paying a lot of people a lot of money. 
made some very strange decisions. Like, I don't get the Mario Williams thing. It's like, this is a guy who basically had a strop because the team didn't play the way he wanted to. Miami had a problem last season where Ndamukong Sue had a strop because yeah. they wasn't playing... Like, I don't understand what the plan is here. Is it just to throw highly paid veterans into the mix until something eventually sticks? I'm not sure what they're planning on, on doing. And, I mean, they've also got a lot of, like... This is a lot of question marks. Like, Tannehill is still a question mark. The running game is now a massive question mark. Yeah. Like, Jay Ajayi, yeah, he looked great in, like, brief cameos towards the end of the season. We don't really know how good he is. I mean, there's sort of a bunch of proven mediocrities, like Isaiah Paid, Daniel Thomas, uh, uh, Damian Williams are back in there as well. And again, beyond... Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yeah, and, and, and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And beyond, like, beyond Jarvis Landry... There isn't a huge amount of the wide receiver position either. No. And I mean, that's been a consistent problem for them. Although, I just. Like, just, just, just that statement alone is quite depressing. Yeah. Beyond Jarvis Landry. But Jarvis, Landry was, quite, but Jarvis Landry was quite good last season. Sorry. Oh, right. I, actually, I'm full mea culpa for the listeners. I, I forgot Jarvis Landry's name and had to look it up there. <laughs> and I've noticed that they have a wide receiver as well, and they're also called AJ Cruz, who I presume they were like, oh, AJ Green and Victor Cruz, what a combination. Mm. And signed, I don't know who he is. But yeah, like there's. Parker coming through as well, though. Parker has looked good in, in flashes, that's true, but again, we don't know, like, again, it's, it's like, is this, can he be a consistent performer for this team? We don't know. There's just so many question marks all over the place on offense, and the defense is like, well, they're all fantastic players, so surely they'll work if we chuck them all together and stuff will happen, right? Mm. I don't know where they're going. Dream team. They, I don't know, they I don't lost, know where they're going. They lost the young, good players as well. Like, Vernon and Shelby were both up-and-coming players who yeah. showed a lot of talent. I think, for me, the most emblematic transaction this year or this offseason for Dolphins wasn't any of the exciting ones or whatever like that I think it's when they re-signed Cameron Wake and gave him a fair amount of money even though he's coming off an injury and he's old that strikes me as a team which was in desperation mode to try and keep someone on that defensive line uh, and it kind of just struck me as a team which doesn't realise that it's probably going to have to rebuild in a season or two. Oh no I agree entirely so I suppose Fitz what's your call on their win-loss record? So I have them going 5-11 uh, and 11. I have them going four and twelve. I have them going six and eleven, and it's worth pointing out that the reason for this, even though I've said that they're going to be bad, is that teams come down to play in Miami in the heat and lose. I'm more, I'm more curious how they're going to play seventeen games, but anyway. Oh, um, I think that was meant to be. Uh, I think that was meant to be six and ten. Six and ten. Yeah, I think that was meant to be six and ten. Yeah. <laughs> So next up is so the Jets. Um, interesting offseason still ongoing for them at the moment. They've added some nice pieces. They've added Forte, Clady. They've got Hackenberg in there. Uh, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs when that's one of your big moves. Uh, they lost Snacks. They lost a break of Shaw. lost Chris Ivory. They've currently got ongoing uh, talks with Fitzpatrick about whether or not he's going to come back at QB. They've offered more money, but still not oh, as much I, money as he wants. I haven't heard about this. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is news to me. Who's this? Apparently, apparently, it's gotten to a bad point now where Fitzmagic's side have come out and said they will accept less money from a different team. Uh, so that's never good. To uh, be fair, if it's the Jets, I would also accept less money yeah, from a different team. They've got, uh, they've got issues with paying all their players, especially on the line. This is a team that has some really nice pieces. I think they've got a great wide receiver core working there. I really like the addition of Matt Forte. I think that's a really good move. I would be much more buoyant on this team if they just got the Fitzpatrick stuff done. Because while he's not incredible, I think he's much better than rolling into the season with Chino Smith backed up by Christian Hackenberg. Or... Don't forget Bryce Petty. Oh yeah, Bryce Petty's down there as well. To be honest, it's a team that I think could do quite well if they can just get their shit together. They have the, they have the roster to do it. 
like they've got the people to be able to compete, like not win, but to compete. <laughs> uh, it's all about the taking part. Like they, I'd like they strike me as a roster that, in the hands of a lot of coaches or with almost anyone else under centre of quarterback, would be a contender for the playoffs. So I think they, if they get the quarterback situation sorted out, they might just about get there. I've got them falling short at the moment because there's question marks around that for me. Um, but yeah, like Jets, I like their pickups. I'm happy enough with the roster. Um, as I'll tell you how I, how I have them going afterwards. But like, I think there's a lot of potential here. It's just that a lot of things need to go right for them. Yeah, I Todd Bowles is a good coach, and that gives you a lot. Like that's probably one of the big differentiate like differentiation in the AFC East is that the Jets now have a competent coach who you can actually trust in, and the Bills do not. Um, I've, like I've talked about that a lot during the season last year in terms of how I felt about that. I think like I think this is. Like, I think for the problem, the biggest problem for the Jets isn't even this season. It's for the next few seasons. They're kind of stuck in what I mean to they're like, the average zone, where they're going to be too average to pick up, like, you know, top of the round draft picks. They've got too much money already invested in the team, in Revis, and along that defensive line, that they're never going to be able to break out of being somewhere between a 7-9 and nine team and a 10-6 uh, team. And, like, that's going to get, be good enough to get you into the playoffs every couple of seasons, but... Most other seasons are going to be disappointed. Overall, I think there's not a lot of major weaknesses on the team. I think Ryan Claddy at left tackle is a major risk, but they should be able to get through that anyway. I think with Matt Forte there, uh, that should be able to take some of the pressure off that. I think Matt Forte is definitely an improvement over Chris Ivory anyway. I think the biggest problem for this team, except for quarterback, uh, as you've already discussed, is those contract disputes along the D-line with Mo Wilkerson and how that will affect this season. And probably more importantly, what a knock-on effect that will have, you know, in the seasons to come. But right to the for this season, I like them. But I kind of feel that with the questions of quarterback and the questions with Mo Wilkerson and how he reacts to the current situation, uh, it could be a team that underperforms despite having a decent coach in place. Yeah, no, of course. I'm, I'm, I'm quite on board with that. What are you yourself, Harry? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I like Bowles. They've got good wide receivers. Probably one of the best wide receiver duos in the league, to be honest with you. They've got the, by, by production statistics, they've got the, 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 best, the most yeah. productive but um, tandem, anyway. Exactly. Yeah, they've got good good, good defense. They've got, like, Ford has a fantastic pickup. He's a tremendous, tremendous player. But they're the Jets. They're going to find a way to mess it up. They always do. We saw it last season. Sitting again this season now with the contract thing with Fitzpatrick. Look, I mean, it's dragging on, 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 on. We don't know what's going on. Somebody's like, eventually the Jets are going to have to. But they can't possibly roll into the season with Geno Smith. They, they, they just can't. Like, it's, but did you not hear? They've, they've, they've given us the never before heard description uh, during the off season that it's night and day from how he was last year. He looks amazing in training camp. (laughs) He's light years ahead of where he was before. It's very difficult to succeed without a quarterback um, who is at least competent. Uh, Unless you have an absolutely exceptional other parts of your team. The Jets don't have that. They have some stuff and currently a lot of their most talented players are the ones involved in those contract disputes. So, like, I, I don't know if they're going to progress. Like, and I think particularly if they don't sign Fitzpatrick, which looks very, very unlikely, I think we're going to see a regression from them this season. Well, with that in mind, what was your call for them for the win-loss record then? So, I have the Jets going 6-10. and 10. Cool, Vula. I have them going 7-9. and nine. Like I said, that could go all the way up if they, if they got their QB sorted. And Ronan? Yeah, I have them 8-8. Eight eight. Like, I think even if it's... I think even if they have Geno Smith, they should have enough talent to win... A fair few games, but probably not enough to make the playoffs. 
And I suppose that brings us then to the class of the division is uh, an interesting term for cheating bastards. Ah. But uh, the Patriots, uh, Harry's Harry's boys, as you can probably imply from what we've said so far, we already think they're going to do pretty well this year again. Uh, major additions, Knight and Long, Hogan, they've added in Bennett as well. They've lost, well, not lost, but like Tom Brady's gone for four games. Uh, Channel Jones has gone, Dominic Heasley's gone. A couple of players coming back off injury. It'll be interesting to see how they slot back in. Yeah, like, it'll be an interesting one. I'm very excited to see the reintroduction of more kind of two tight end sets here. Uh, I think that's going to go very well. Because as much as Tom Brady's still playing to an exceptionally high level, like, he is doing a lot more of the short intermediate passing rather than the big deep long ones from back in the day. They've been working more of those in, especially when the O-line was not holding up all that well in certain scenarios. Uh, So I think that'll be quite good to see happen again the discussion we were having myself and Fitz Bennett's qualifications the way he qualifies a tight end is either in party boats or murders which one is he strong in that that is that is unfair um Martellus <laughs> Bennett recently had a actually we've got two players on the roster who have published a children's book uh, this year Martellus Bennett is one of them is it called the stabbiest knife no <laughs> Jesus Christ no it, it's not it's How not did he <laughs> Okay, um, Martellus Bennett is not only... I'm going to segue this, watch this, this is going to be a great segue. Not only is he different from Hernandez in that he isn't in jail for murdering people, he's also a different style of player. So when we so just, just, just two... to pick you up on the phrasing there, so he's not in prison for murdering people, well, look, I mean, but he's murdered people. I mean, reality, you know, there's some total of human knowledge, right? I mean, we can't definitively prove a negative, but we know he's not in jail for murdering people. He has also, on the balance of probability, never murdered anyone. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. But it's going to be a different look from what we had with Hernandez. He's less of that sort of move Joker lineup as a fullback, rushing, all that weird shit Hernandez did. He's just a similar... The idea is creating basically matchup problems, particularly when the field is shrunk when you're getting into the red zone. He's uh, basically gives another really, really big target to Brady. It was what we sort of tried to do with um, Scott Chandler last season. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Bennett is good and Scott Chandler was not as good and has also hurt a lot. Yeah. That's the point where he's basically said that he's uh, he wasn't planning on retiring, but he basically has mm. effectively has to retire at this point. But that's still going to be really interesting. There's going to be a different dynamic from what we have with Hernandez and Gronkowski. It's going to be, I think, very, very effective in terms of you previously had guys you could double cover, so you double cover uh, Gronkowski or you double cover Edelman. Now you're in a situation where there's another, bit, another target added who is very, very difficult to cover if you're a linebacker, so gives more options in that, in that, particularly in the red zone, but also just in general, which is really good. I do like the additions we've made. I think Knighton's handy. We haven't since Wilfork really had a big run-stuffing guy up the middle. I think he can give us that while we've sort of got smaller, more, di- smaller, more dynamic guys in there. I think Knighton adds an element to the defense that hasn't been there. Chris Long, yeah, fine. I think Jabal Sheridan is going to get more snaps ahead of him, but... Look, if Long can get back to a fraction of where he was a few years ago, yeah. he'll be a handy he'll be a handy addition. And Hogan is again it's about a deep threat. It's a deep threat, something we haven't really had consistently. Now Brady, I could call you up as long. Brady has never been a really throw at long player. It's always mm. been about the intermediate and short, uh, quick hitter routes, finding guys in space, vision and placement really rather than rather than airing it out. Hogan does add that element that Brandon LaFell was supposed to do of having a guy who can, or Aaron Dobson was supposed to do, having a guy who can stretch the field and create space underneath as much as be targeted himself. So that's an interesting addition. That could be a a very good one. However, there are problems. Brady's suspension is a problem. Dion Lewis is going to, I think, take a while to come back up to speed. And that's a problem because increasingly, first with Vereen and then with Lewis, and obviously with abortive attempts to do it with uh, James White and other people, having that sort of scat back has been a very big part of the Patriots' offensive game plan recently. So, 
to me, I think that, there's, that we've made nice additions. Uh, we haven't lost anyone too important yet. Chandler Jones is a big loss, but I think we're going to be able to adapt around that. But I do think there's a lot of sort of little questions they're going to take, even for Belichick. As we've seen in recent seasons, a while to figure out how it all clicks together, how it all fits in, um, particularly with Dion Lewis and particularly with the backfield, how it all comes together. No. So I think we're going to do well, but I think we could, again, be looking at a slow start to the season, even after Brady comes back. Yeah, no, fair enough. What about yourself, Fitz? What do you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I think that pretty much covers it. Like, I think this season, uh, even with the suspension, I imagine those would be good. But there is a slight issue, and they're coming up to the end of a change that they had a few years ago when they drafted a lot of players on defense to try and improve it after what had been a few pretty poor defenses. I think it'll be next season that we'll see some interesting stuff with the Patriots. I think for this season, the additions are kind of stop gaps in terms of Terrence Knight and Chris Long. I don't think they'll be here more than a couple of seasons. But I think with all the talent that they have at the AFC East, they should be a Super Bowl contender again. Will they make it? I'm not entirely pushed on that, but I think they'll they'll be in about there. You know, they're a good team, and they consistently are. And Bill Belichick is the devil. He did have that. I know we mentioned it previously. He did have that fantastic uh, social media message he sent out on his birthday that was cut off abruptly, almost as if to say he had a lot more to say afterwards. That they said, "No, Bill, no, just keep it positive." Um, so, what's your what's your shout on uh, win loss on this season then, Ronan? Uh, I have them going 12 and 4. Fair enough. I've got them going 11 and 5, obviously both making the playoffs. I have them 10 and 6. Again, I think there is going to be a slow start. I think we're going to be strong down the stretch. But I think the t- this team is going to find it a little bit, take a little bit of time to find its comfort zone. But still win the division, I'd say we'll probably get to the championship game. Yeah, very good, very good. With Jimmy Grappolo as quarterback, of course. Jacoby Brissett, thank you very much. <laughs> JG plays out of his skin for the first four games. Brady's Brady. Uh, no, that seems very unlikely, unfortunately. Um, Brady is traded to the Braves. Cleveland, yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> come back in game five. is for Cleveland against the yeah. Can you imagine? That would be hilarious. What, what, what do you reckon, just for the sake of sporting chances, if he gets traded to the Browns now, they'll just revoke the suspensions? But like, just, just give them a chance. <laughs> he, he, he would literally die behind that O-line. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, because this is actually, uh, we will be discussing them next. We're going to move on to the next division, the AFC North. So the first one we're going to look at here is probably, we'll start with the Bengals. Uh, so Bengals have for the last couple of seasons been quite a successful team, put together a very, very strong top to bottom roster. Uh, the thing that was always holding them back, or at least the, the story of what was holding them back was Andy Dalton, who then last year played exceptionally well up until an injury kind of took him out of it and they kind of imploded somewhat after that uh, they've added some nice new pieces they've got Tyler Jackson or William Jackson the uh, third Tyler Boyd Brandon LaFell which is uh, we'll see um, they lost a couple of players who all got well surprisingly a lot of them got very well paid as they left so they lost uh, Jones Sanu Smith Nelson Hall good 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 chunk of players gone. they also lost their offensive coordinator who's now become the head coach of the Browns which will be Interesting to see, we'll discuss that shortly. Um, so Dalton coming back off this hand injury, if I remember correctly. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully he's back up to, to, to form. Maybe this will be the year they finally pop that cherry and get a playoff win. Uh, it's uh, It's been a very long time. What's it, 25 years or so since they've won a playoff game? Um, and obviously then other players like Eifert coming back from injury. I think even uh, even some of the wide receiver core that they held on to was injured throughout the year. Uh, 
This is a team that has an awful lot of talent. We say this every year. Has an incredible top-to-bottom roster. Should be perennial contenders. I'm concerned about the loss of the offensive coordinator uh, to see how that will play out for them. That said, I still have them doing very well this season. I think it's fair to say in this division with... And we'll be discussing the Browns and to an extent the Ravens as well. Like... This division, in my head, comes down to the Bengals and the Steelers, and I can very much see this being a division that will throw two teams into the playoffs. And then, you know, any given day in the, in the playoffs, the Bengals can lose a playoff game. <laughs> so, like, you know, be it a Saturday or a Sunday, <laughs> normally a Saturday. I suppose I'll come to you first on this one, Harry. What's your thoughts on the Bengals roster, the changes? How do you see their season going? Yeah, I think like I think you, you really hit the nail on the head there. The big X fact, how do they adapt without Hugh Jackson? Because um, they do have the talent, and it's like, can they overcome that? Is the o- new OC going to be able to just give us more of the same, basically, and keep performing at the level they were at? I'd be inclined to say probably, yes, they might be not quite as good, but they should still be one of the better teams in the AFC. They do have a huge amount of talent pretty much across the roster, even with the losses that they that they suffered, like uh, particularly in the, uh, in the uh, defensive backfield. Those are ones they could afford to take. I think the other question is the wide receivers. Now, losing Jones and Sanu at the same time is a bit of a blow. Obviously, they've got AJ Green. Obviously, they have a fantastic running game between Bernard and Hill. Mm. But you won't get like... They're, they're, they're Bernard, they just re-signed him yeah. to a four-year deal, I think. Is it? basically got two starting running backs, which yeah. is, is incredible. So, there's a huge amount of talent on the team. And yes, obviously, Tyler Eifert coming back from that Pro Bowl-inflicted injury will uh, help the pass. Don't, don't fucking say it. We'll come back and uh, help the. Help Don't the say game. what. I'm not gonna. Greatest game of all time. Hype. Fuck you, Fitz. Pro <laughs> Bowl hype. Pro Bowl hype. Oh no! Do we know much Fitz. about Ken Zampezi or no? No, as in that's first and first name. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, I think he was the quarterbacks coach previously. Um, so presumably he he understands the system they've been running there. Presumably, yeah. But, so uh, you'd be hoping for some continuity there, which I think is probably the idea behind it. But the, the question is, without Jones, like, there isn't really anybody behind AJ Green. I mean, you're looking at Brandon LaFell, Brandon Tate, guys like that. These aren't guys who are even at the level of Jones and Sanu, who were, in Jones' case, a very, very solid number two, and mm. Sanu a really useful gadget player. Mm. Um, so the question is, can Dalton, with less targets, make up for the same thing? I think we're going to see Bernard have a much, much bigger impact in the passing game than we have, and he already does, but I think we're going to see a lot more of that because of the lack of other options uh, getting involved, I think we're going to see a much more run-heavy kind of team to an extent. The losses are mostly ones they can afford to have taken. I think this is still an extremely talented roster, and I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Know? No. What about yourself, Fitz? Uh, I'm not quite as positive on them as Harry is. I think they definitely will take a step back. I think this season, because of their playoff lack of success, they've been quite, they haven't been stripped quite to the same extent or had to overpay quite to the same extent as teams like the Broncos or Seahawks or, or Patriots even. I've had to deal with but I think they've lost enough in this offseason that they'll probably take a step back but I think Harry's right they do have enough talent to still be a perennial uh, playoff team I think a major issue is Eifert like we know that Eifert had an amazing season last season but, but still had injury concerns if he can't stay healthy I think that like that offensive core for Dalton is going to be significantly lower and then I would have worries about how effective they can be especially at the business end of the season I don't think you should underestimate how important like Nelson and Hall were in that in that backfield, and I, and and I still it's still a little bit weird to me that they like went first to start resetting Pacman Jones and haven't brought two you know 
less controversial, less problematic players back. But obviously, they're still trying to like push that kind of hard man thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, ironically, they, they got a wildcard spot this season, but then actually managed to win uh, a wildcard round uh, game for the first time and actually have a better season than last season. But mm. I do think in the regular season, they won't win as many games. But it's still a good team. I think it's still a contender, but it's not, it's not a Super Bowl contender at this point. With having to bring in these players like William Jackson III and Tyler Boyd, uh, it'll take a couple of years to mature. Did you, by the way, did you guys see um, Bert, the pictures of Burfitt and Malugo when they turned up for training camp? No. I'm pretty sure they spent the entire off-season in Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> Burfitt was fucking enormous. I'd say they must have gone down to the to the restaurant that Trent Richardson went to. Did you see, did you see that story where he uh, he turned up to uh, he turned up to the first OTA? And he was like, I think he was like nine pounds over the weight, and he had been the right weight like four days previous. <laughs> and they said, um, "Well, when I got signed, I went for like a big celebratory like breakfast meat meal." And he claimed that that put on nine pounds. Like, <laughs> Burford and Maluga had to sit out the first few sets of OTAs because oh, wow. they were they couldn't trust them not to injure themselves yeah. uh, running basically it's oh lord quite impressive um, so I suppose then the only the only real question left with these guys is uh, what do you have their record as being Harry I have them going 13-3 and eliminated in the divisional round uh, I've got them going 10-6 uh, getting to a wildcard game and getting knocked out uh, what about yourself Ronan uh, I also have them going 10-6 probably knocked out the wildcard game but I think this might actually if, if Dolphin is actually healthy for a playoff season, I think this might be the year they might get over the hump. Mm. Just because there might be less expectations, a little less pressure. I remember, they were very unlucky to lose to Pittsburgh last season. That was a oh, bizarre yeah. loss. Mm. A self-inflicted. Self-inflicted loss of that. But uh, but yeah, no, of course. So as we move on then to uh, to the class of the division, Browns. <laughs> uh, Browns have had uh, quite an interesting offseason. They, they redesigned the book on how management structures and... GMs and coaches work. Uh, they got Sashi in. They've got Hugh Jackson. Uh, they acquired RG3, uh, star on the rise. Corey Coleman. They lost Billy Baseball or whatever he's going by these days. By the way, have you seen pictures of him lately? Mm. He looks like a heroin addict. Like he's lost about 30 pounds. He's crazy. Like uh, lost Alex Mack, lost Travis Benjamin. Yeah, so they've got, you know, they've, they got the premier free agent coach uh, in that everyone was looking to to set up they've got the 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 guy from Moneyball in to try and help them put together a roster on the plus side there's hope in Cleveland now since the since the NBA finals that's good hopefully it doesn't give them a cavalier attitude oh it's a terrible joke <laughs> oh I'm just watching Harry die a little inside here it's brilliant uh, we've got RG3 who you know depending on the reports you read, he's either a bust or a definite bust in Canton. <laughs> the, the the stories, the off-season stories about RG3 are just ridiculous. Because we've had the head coach come out and say both he's incredible, transcendental, uh, greatest thing he's ever seen. But then he also, like, two days prior to that, came out and said, 
oh, we don't have a lockdown starter here anyway. Like, this is an open competition. Um, Joe Hayden's obviously still there. He's going to be back to form. <laughs> and they've got Joe Thomas. They've got, yeah, so that's good. I Poor suppose. Joe Thomas. Um, Sad Joe Thomas. I don't really know what there is to say about the Browns. Like, not much has changed here. I like their I like their new their new coaching staff. Hopefully they do something with it. I'm more positive than you guys are on their draft, purely just because... All they did was just trade down and get more picks and given how notoriously bad at picking they are, the more choices they get, the more likely they are to find at least one half-decent player in there. I don't see this being a bounce-back resurgent, let's copy the Cavaliers uh, kind of season. Yeah, I just I just don't see them having the roster or the self-belief or the schedule or anything to, to really get stuff going here. I just I just don't see this as being a good season for them full stop. Harry? Yeah, it's not great. Much like your joke. Mm. See, the real problem is, <laughs> it's not that they're actually just cavalier. The problem is, right, you've got Sasha Brown, you've got Hugh Jackson, you've got Jimmy Halston. You have too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. Oh. <laughs> the baseball team. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry, I had to get that out of there after the Cavaliers crack. But, um... Yeah, I'm not sure what the plan is here. The plan is to not have a quarterback. That's fine, I guess. RG3 might come good. Cool. Um, he's still probably going to get murdered given that you've given away your second best defensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, I kind of their kicker in kicking uh, uh, Cameron Irving back into... Was it Ewing? I can't remember. Anyway, that guy back into centre after his absolutely disastrous display at guard last year where his, I think his highlight reel was him getting absolutely flattened yeah, um, against the Steelers. Yes, which was, was pretty bad. Cleveland for supposedly the development, rebuild, whatever. I'm not sure what they're doing here. Again, it's a lot of punts, I think, going on. I think much like their offense. Um, <laughs> like, there's a lot of... We're just going to see what happens. Hope it works out. We're going to money... Uh, well, that's the plan. It looks like that, but actually it's a secret money ball strategy. But yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get RG3 in Cleveland. I don't get... We don't need a number one wide receiver. We'll just have seven number sixes. Like, after Travis Benjamin's breakout season, it's like, no, we don't... No, they did draft a couple of guys. They might work out, but... It seems weird that after like Benjamin's career breakout season, they just let him go to San Diego. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the what the plan was there, and and of course Carlos Dansby is gone as well, and he was like the heart and soul of that that linebacking core, of that defense. Like he was uh, like a, a veteran presence in there. He's not there anymore. Uh, I'm not sure who they have in there. I don't think Whitner's gone, but like okay, he was on the downside. But I just don't see him having fixed all the problems with the team. No, they are probably going to still win a few games because. You know, guys, they have guys who can perform and can put up amazing, like, isolation forms. Like, RG3 is still capable of, in isolation, playing an amazing game couple or two, of, yeah. yeah, or even a couple of quarters within a game of football. And maybe he will come good. Maybe he will get his um, career resurgence, his second wind, and that would be lovely. That would be great for him after all he's gone through. That would be great for Cleveland after all they've gone through. But it's very difficult to see it happening on a team that has no defense, no receivers, no, well, yeah, no running game, basically, yeah. and has weakened its offensive line, which is the best part of the team. Yeah. What about yourself, Fitz? Do you have anything to ask? They have three things going for them, from my perspective. Number one, there's no expectations. So they can throw in this huge draft class. They can throw in reclamation projects like Gilbert, like Shelton. Throw them in there. Orgy Tree, obviously, along with that. And they can see what sticks. And there's no pressure on them to perform. You can kind of just go, if they have if, if they have potential and they show some potential, you can keep playing them, even if they'll make mistakes. And they'll learn a lot from that process. And, you know, people like Joe Hayden and, and Joe Thomas will cry. Yeah. Uh, number two, they've gotten rid of most of the distractions. Like, they brought in a good head coach who should be able to keep that team under control. And they got rid of, like, Johnny fucking football. 
They got rid of all that bullshit. There's no one forcing people to write about the Browns. RG3 two years ago might have been that, but now he's kind of, he's so far off the radar, people don't really care about that anymore. So they won't be a major picking point for the team. If they lose, it's expected. If they win, it's a nice enough story, but I doubt they'll get much coverage. That's good for this team. And then finally, you know, when the Browns fans are crying because their team is terrible once again, uh, they have that hope, but they can also just look at their framed picture of LeBron and just smile and then turn back to the television and cry and then look back at the framed picture of LeBron and smile. And that should hopefully keep them sane for one year of complete rebuild. And then we can see what they can do next year. There is also um, the plus of uh, brown paper bags kind of go with the uniform. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got, Fitz? What do you got win-loss totals? I have got a devastating 2-14. and 14. Very good. I have got a slightly less but still pretty piss poor four and twelve, and I have got a positively Cleveland-tastic five and eleven. Excellent. Our next team we're going to have a look at is uh, the Ravens, a team that was decimated by injuries uh, last year. Slightly less decimated by injuries this year, I suppose. Oh, fuck the Ravens. I hope they're decimated um, by injuries. <laughs> they've had Sogs come in. Steve Smith is back uh, for one last year. He thought he was out, but they keep dragging him back in. Uh, they signed up Eric Weddle as well. They've lost Osamele, Upshaw, Smith. It's very hard to judge in general on this team because I think what we saw last year was in no way, shape or form the actual team itself. It was every single week there was one or two more players missing and them trying to piece stuff together. Like we had that competition for a while during the season. Who can name someone who caught a pass for them this week? Uh, <laughs> On paper, they've got a good defense that should be able to provide stuff, but again, we're going to have to see whether or not that translates to actual performance. They've got question marks at wide receiver. Steve Smith is coming back, but, you know, you know he's, he's what, 39 years old? <laughs> or I think he's 36 years old, uh, coming off, like, severe injury. He's really angry, though. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's an angry boy. Uh, they've got their draft pick from last year coming back after the ACL injury. It strikes me a little bit like this is a roster that's stuck between two worlds. Oh, they've got some new pieces, and to an extent they've got a lump of them because they've got like their, their first draft pick from last year coming in as well. So it's kind of like having two of them coming in and stuff. Well, 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 yes. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Depending. Uh, (laughs) The other thing is, though, like, on the other side of the coin, they've got a lot of really old players who are past their peak, who are probably what you'd call descending players. I don't think they've figured out what to do apart from just, let's see if this will work this year, and then if and when it doesn't, basically then just start a bit of a blow-up reclamation project. They've got a good quarterback, whether you think he's elite (laughs) or not. They've got the pieces that could have them do well, could have them do poorly, and I think they're going to end up stuck in that kind of middle ground this year. I think they're going to see some bright sparks that they can build around, but I think they're also going to realise this is a roster that's not really equipped for them to take a three-year run at stuff. Yeah, like I I can only agree completely. Like Similar to what I said about the Jets, this is a, although in a slightly less controversial, kind of more boring way, they're in that middle zone where they haven't been good enough in the draft. Like, obviously, Ozzy Newsom has an amazing record over his, his tenure in Baltimore, but there's no denying that over the last three or four years, they failed to re-up. And when you have a talented team, when you have all of this pre-existing talent on the roster, you have to re-up via the draft. They failed to do that, and now we're seeing what happens when you have massive contracts with people like Suggs, with Joe Flacco, 
that if you can't do that, then you're not going to succeed. But because they have a good coach, because they have a good quarterback, because they have a decent defense, that probably means that they'll keep chugging along, being average, which means they won't be able to get those like knockout chances to get elite pieces from the draft. So I think this is kind of, they're going to spin the wheels this year, be better than last year, because hopefully injuries aren't as bad. Uh, but I don't see them being really a, a, a playoff. Perhaps make the playoffs, but certainly not a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, no course. What are yourself, Harry? I think high draft picks are overrated. I'm just going to throw that out there. How, how long have Cleveland and Tennessee been picking high for? Yeah, but the difference is you need to pick a quality player. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. The Ravens have done actually quite a good job of that, of finding guys like like um, CJ Mosley a couple of years ago mm. in the middle of the first round. Like, this is great. Ronnie Stanley was a, was a good pickup um, this season. But I'm not high on the Ravens in, in general. Um, I don't think Joe Flacco is elite. Um, I don't think any part of this team is particularly elite at the moment. I think a lot of the team is blah, and they play in a very, very tough division. There's... And the Browns. And the Browns. <laughs> Obviously, and the Browns, but yeah, that, it, 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 it's worrying. Um, like Flacco's fine; he's solid; he's competent. He'll make passes to receivers who may or may not exist. That's fine. And um, we don't know what the story is. Just go back to earlier. Brashad Perriman has maybe done his ACL again. Maybe not. Yeah, yeah they, we don't they, know. They've, they've, they've said it's it's a small cut or something, and they've injected stem cells into it, and they said he'll be fine. I always think that's a question. Like, it's kind of like, because they had two or three players saying they were going in for preventative surgeries. Yeah. And you're like, that's, that's never really a thing. Like, no one kind of goes, I'll just, I'll just have a little bit of uh, stem cell, just in case. Just in case. Just just in extra, case. Give a few extra stem cells in the yeah. knee, you know. It's like look at, the fetus Look at yeah. who Flacco's <laughs> throwing to, right? Like, Steve Smith, come off a major injury. We know he's a great player. Can he do it after major injury? I don't know. don't know. He has had major injuries before in his career, in fairness, mm. and he has come back from them. But he is also um, older He now. is also <laughs> a lot older, yeah. But then Perman, we actually don't know if he's any good. We've never seen him play. Kamar Aiken was fine. And then look at Mike Wallace. Like, got Chris Matthews. All these weird kind of reclamation projects of just mediocre players. Or Mike Wallace is like a guy who's incredibly fast as a catch radius, a negative catch radius somehow. I'm not sure who makes the plays on this team. Like, the running back situation... Again, Forsett basically lost most of the season last year. Buck Allen was okay. Now, there's a lot of this stuff about Kenneth Dixon's going to be the future. He's a really good player. Again, we don't know how good he is. There's so many like questions on the offense, on this team. And yeah, they've got a good linebacking core. They've got a decent O-line. They've got a decent D-line. The backfield is Kyle Harrington notwithstanding. Fine. Like, how does this team beat the Bengals? And how does this team beat the Steelers? Because that's what you have to do if you're the Ravens. And that's really all that matters is can they beat those teams? And even if they stay healthy, I'm not sure they do have the talent to beat those teams. And if they start losing players to injury again like they did last season, I think they're going to really, really struggle. I think they'll need a lot to go right. Like, they're bringing in people like Weddle and Benjamin Watson. We'll see what they can do. But, yeah, I, I don't see it coming together. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, as, as we say, like, I think this is a roster that... That'd be grand. <laughs> like, the <laughs> roster sure. doesn't know what it's doing. And after this year, we'll have a much better idea because they'll just keep some of these players and they'll start a rebuild project. It's okay, they're just distracting us. everyone with a kick of competition right now, it's fine. Oh, very good, yeah. Uh, so I suppose we'll kick off. Harry, your shout for this season is... I think they are going to struggle. I think they are going to probably get swept by both the Bengals and the Steelers and I think they're going to, again, have injury problems. I have them going 6 and 10. Uh, what about yourself, Ronan? Well, I have all these spare wins because I screwed over the Browns so I'm going to put them 8 and 8. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have uh, I have I have them sat at seven and nine. I was laughing about this earlier. Uh, so Harry's done a much more complete. He to predict the whole season uh, in Not advance. Well, so, so, so 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 all his ones balance out. 
I'm just going by feel each time. So, like, I'm pretty sure as I look through this, like, I've definitely not given out enough wins. <laughs> like, there's definitely games where no one wins or loses. I just discount it from ever happening. Or rather that there's lots of games where two teams lose. <laughs> but, yeah, I've got them at 7 and 9 being, you know, about middle of the pack. Similar losing to Bengals and Steelers. Maybe winning one of those games if someone's having a down day or something. But, uh, yeah, like, not really up to much. And then the final team we're going to look at in the AFC North are the Steelers. Uh, you know, for the last probably 15 years, been quite a successful franchise, doing quite well. They've got an explosive offense. They've had a very large-scale change of philosophy in the last three, four years where they used to be a purely, we are a big, hard-hitting defense and that's what we do and we cover up the mistakes of our offense to now being one of the most explosive offenses if not the most explosive offense in the NFL and with a question mark at defense which is improving but is young and yeah it's, it's quite interesting so they've added Ladarius Green Artie Burns Lev Bell is back they've lost Mark Davis Bryant because he likes to smoke them smoke them weeds Heath Miller's got as well Kevin, Be- Kel- uh, Kelvin Beecham too obviously injuries were a concern for this team last year as well. Um, if Bell and and, and, and uh, Big Rapey Ben can uh, can keep it together, can keep healthy, uh, this is going to be an incredible offense to watch. Obviously, they're going to miss Bryant here. I heard a lot of chat, especially given that we mentioned there for the Ravens, but uh, whether or not they should have gone after bringing in a one-year deal for Mike Wallace, let him return home, give him a shot. Do you, but this is the thing, do you, do you remember uh, four years, three three years ago when they let him go, do you remember the outrage from the fans that they were going to keep Brown and let Wallace yeah. go? Um, and then obviously the big the big question a lot of people are asking for this Ignorant team. Ignorant Steelers fan. <laughs> <laughs> Never! Bring back San Antonio, that's what I say. Uh, and then obviously the, the, the big question is, are they finally going to get stuff going on this defence? Because they've, been investing a lot in it, bringing up a lot of young players. Can it finally come good? They've got a bit of pass rush there. They've got some cover corners in there. But it's a question of whether or not schematically it'll work. They've moved from what was, in theory, the most difficult uh, defensive scheme to learn to a slightly cut-down simpler one. So hopefully it might come together. I look at this team as being, as much as I love the Bengals roster top to bottom, I have the Steelers as being the stronger of these uh, of these two teams. I think... The Bengals have a better roster. I think the Steelers just come up with it more often. I like their offense and I like the potential that sits in their defense. But I think even if their defense isn't up to scratch, this is an offense that could break a load of records and could keep them in any game. Just think it's going to be quite a powerful, powerful offense to watch. And one that I'm not loving the prospect of playing against. But again, it is that one that it's 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 quite fickle that if one or two injuries occur, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. We saw what happened whenever... Ben wasn't under centre for them. We saw it happened whenever their running backs went down, when wide receivers weren't available. This is a excellent team if everything goes right. Uh, and I'm just going to bank on the idea that they won't just lose a lot of people to injury. Yeah, um, that's probably a reasonable assessment. I, I really do like some of the pickups. I think Darius Green is actually a fantastic one. Yeah. Uh, I've done the radar a bit in San Diego, obviously, with uh, Antonio Gates. He, he's He's got real playmaking ability. He's a real good pass catcher. And I think with Heath Miller gone, he's... Not the same kind of player, but he's a lot... Particularly with Miller aging, this is a guy with much younger legs, a guy who can, I think, stretch defences a lot more than Miller and has a pretty safe pair of hands, so I think he's going to fit in just fine. I think he's going to become a big weapon on that. Martavis Bryant suspension, absolutely. Issue, question marks there. 
Um, because, you know, other than Brown, like, guys like, I was like oh, it's, it's, it's me, Sammy Coates is here, which we've heard for the last couple of years, and Darius Hayward Bay can't catch the mm. football. But oh, the big one they, for Wheaton, I'd say. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, was, I was building up to it. <laughs> oh, okay. No, yeah, exactly. It is, it is about Marcus Wheaton and whether or not he gets the ball. And we have seen him play well. He's, he's a good player. But it's again, it's about becoming a consistent thing. I think, but I think they'll probably be fine. To be honest with you, the they have made additions to defense. There are still questions about the defensive backfield. But again, again, they're adding like physical guys like Artie Burns in there. That's the sort of thing you want to do if you want to, to build that. The linebacking core, as we know, it's not perhaps the most cohesive unit in the world. But you've got pe- people who are good at different things. Like James Harrison's obviously still very good at what he does. You've got really um, athletic guys like uh, Shazier in there as well. The question for me that remains, I think, an issue for Pittsburgh is that other than Cameron Hayward, the D-line isn't fantastic. And that, I think, is kind of a, a concern for me. But, like, it's not a huge concern for Pittsburgh because they're going to get into a shit ton of shootouts where, really, their defensive line isn't, isn't actually going to be critical to the game. Um, but, yeah, I think we've seen it. Like I say, this is a team that not only is going to break records, it's a team that wants to break records. It's still things the two-point conversions, right? Yeah. Where the P- P- Ben Rossberg was like, I-, I just want to go for two after every play, after every touchdown. And it's like, Why well, not? yeah, I mean, statistically you need to make them, well, obviously 51% of the time for it to be better than uh, XP. And they made something like, like 6 out of 8 or 6 out of 10 last season. Uh, if, they, if, they, if they can make a flat 50%, like, yeah, I know it's not much, but like, like, you know, there's, it's whatever, 98.6% for the kick after. So yeah, 50% exactly, yeah, is just will do you. So exactly. So <laughs> and with the, with the mean move back. So we'll, we'll see. That's interesting. I don't know if they will do it because obviously strategically sometimes it's just a really poor move after every single one. Yeah. Like I think, but, I think any, any time where it doesn't, like, where... Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a point to win the game. Like, mm. Yeah. I think that, that says what this team wants to do. This team wants to just put a million points on attacks, draw teams into shootouts where they can beat them. Most teams, they will be able to do that too. And we saw it last year, and I think we'll see it again this year. Of course, the problem is, is if Roethlisberger gets hurt. Which, it's Roethlisberger, he will get hurt. And then, what happens? Well, we don't know. Uh, I think Kansas City might have had some experience in that uh, particular regard, yeah? Yeah, it was good, it was good. And I suppose, Fitz, yourself? Yeah, like, injuries, for me, are the major variable in this this team. Like, if Ben and Lev and Brown can stay healthy... They will put up tons and tons and tons of points. Like, I think the defensive line is a bit of a weakness, but I think traditionally the Steelers, especially on the Butler, kind of focus on the linebacker play to get pressure and the kind of exotic blitzes traditionally. I think the defensive line is primarily there to kind of hold the line, make sure that the, the, you know, the offensive line doesn't make too much ground. And I think there's a lot of young pieces on that defense which could be interesting, like Artie Barnes and like those and those those linebackers coming through like Dupree. But we saw with like with Bell last season, if he's healthy he is the best running back in the league, mm-hmm. and he makes this offense near on unstoppable. It's nearly unstoppable with Ben and, and Brown, but with with Lev Bell in there, it, it's it's something different. But they haven't stayed healthy. Like this, like this is a team that knows its window is probably going to shut because I don't think Ben's like I think like I think Ben can go a few more years, but there's a lot of wear on those tires, as it were. And these players, and especially Lev Bell, like those injuries are going to tell eventually. Um, so I think they're, they're, they they bought, brought in Green, and they're going to see what they can do. And I think it's going to be pretty exciting, and I think it's going to be a really exciting team. But basically, the fate of this team in terms of being winning the Super Bowl will be in the hands of the gods, of the injury gods, effectively. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be an incredibly exciting team to watch this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing a couple of their games. Uh, we'll start with you, Fitz. Um, what's your call on their uh, win total for the year? Taking into account the injury, probably stuff, whatever. I'm only having go putting them at eleven and five, but under my thing, that'd be enough to win the division. 
Yeah, fair enough. What about yourself, Harry? I have them going 13-3. and three. I actually have them coming second in the division to the Bengals on in-conference tiebreakers and winning in the wildcard round and being mm. eliminated in the divisional round. And I have them going 12-4 and four and also winning the division. But yeah, no, so it should be good. Yeah, overall, I suppose, guys, like AFC North, I think it's interesting, but I don't think we've seen much of a change from where it was last year in that I think we've got two very strong contenders. We've got the Ravens, who aren't sure exactly what they're doing, and we've got the Browns, who are just in full rebuild mode, whether they want to admit it or not. I'm not sure it's full rebuild. Well, it's a, it's it's a, year, full, it's a year away from full rebuild. <laughs> it's full re-something. I'm not going yeah. to say it, though. This uh, is where they, they start to pick out the pieces that are worth giving on to for the rebuild. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. And then rebuild. In the AFC East, uh, again, I haven't seen a huge amount of change here. Although I think... With the uncertainty on the Jets, we're definitely further down on them now than we would have been at the end yeah. of the season, I think. But like we've got the Dolphins down very low. We've got we've got the Bills sat in the same region of seven to nine to nine and seven. And we've got we've all got the Patriots <laughs> winning that division. So not a huge amount of change overall, uh, between these two divisions, I don't think. Um, lots of noise but not much. Yeah, lot, lots of noise but not as much kind of substantial movement as you would have thought for the amount of noise generated. <laughs> But yeah, no, that'll be good. So I suppose our next one is going to be NFC South and the NFC West. So that should be quite an interesting one uh, to have a look through. A couple of interesting teams in there. We'll be getting on to, to Fitz's boys, the Seahawks, and and whatnot. Uh, you've got a you've got a tough road in front of you for that one, don't you? Do I? We were discussing uh, earlier how Harry had uh, had had already pre-filled in all of his win and loss totals. Right. He hit one speed bump today with the Browns when he said, "I've got them winning five games. I can't think of what the five games are going to win." <laughs> <or gonna be." laughs> As we were saying, so we've got Pride this weekend. Should be a bit yeah. fun. Uh, bit, bit of wrestling. If you're finished up with your green stuff, you might come down and wrestle. I'm actually on, on Sunday. I'm going to one of those adventure room things, you know, the Crystal Maze. Oh style. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to try one of those. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. That should be really mm. good fun. I think we're going to be locked as well. Yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, Fitz? Any plans for the weekend? Uh, I have to go back. My, it's my brother's thirtieth, so back to cabin. Uh, is this the is this the brother with the like full on touring wagon? The what? The, the like the the boy racer car. Uh no, that's the oldest one. Ah, uh, fair enough. This is the kind of. Uh, Nice brother. Mm. Plays a lot of video games as well. I um I came home to the house when myself and Ronan were in college before. I came down to the house and it was one of these ones where like uh, it, was, it was just up the road from Vincent's house. But uh, we landed up to the house after a pint or two and I just saw this car parked outside. Right now I did not know that Fit, like Fitz's family were coming down or anything. So I said, right, get ready. It looks like there's some there's some skangers inside here robbing us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you're like. Open the door and just see Fitz sat in the sitting room with some people around. And he's like, "Oh, oh, hello, hello!" Put down the fighting mix. <laughs> <laughs> I believe mean, that was like the white super. Yeah, with a oh, big spoiler in the back. Like yeah, yeah, shit, man. As far as I know, that's actually just like sitting in the back of my parents' and like rusting away. Good investment, boy. Racer cars. <laughs> oh yeah, I was yeah, like, "You really might have done a goal with that one." Um, ah, oh, yeah, but sure, I could do a bit of touring in the old uh, Renault Clio back there. <laughs> Um, well, I suppose that'll do it for now. Uh, so it's bye for myself, bye from Harry, goodbye, and bye Fitz. Bye. Uh, like I said, if you've got any questions, any ideas, anything you want us to chat about, just drop us a line on Twitter or on Facebook or any of those things. Uh, I believe our Facebook stuff should be back up and running again this week. Hopefully, we've had a few technical issues. So yeah. So uh, anyway, sure. Look, guys, hope you're enjoying the off season. There's six weeks of nothing but like really, really shitty news coming. So uh, 
Let's see. What, what, what's your prediction? What's what's the one story that's going to happen in the next week? Hopefully nothing involving fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be two weeks away. So. Uh, oh, Rob Gronkowski is arrested for spiking a football into a stripper. Fair. I was actually going to go Gronkowski as well, so I better change it. <laughs> so, um, let's say that uh, Brashad Perryman uh, gains superpowers from his use of stem cells on his leg, his leg gains sentience and becomes the new quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> now, you don't even have to listen to the start of the next show, you already know what the news is. <laughs> Alright guys, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we'll chat to you all in about a week and a half or so with uh, the NFC South and the NFC West.